0: Welcome to the podcast for WGTS 91.9's Gateway Fellowship, a weekly service for anyone of any faith that is ultimately about inspiring hope. You can learn more and find more messages like this at MyGatewayFellowship.com. Do you trust God? Do you really trust God? You only trust Him because it went your way this time. Well, you know, luckily we trusted Him. Do you really trust God? What does it mean to trust? Do you trust your spouse? Mm, Don't raise your hand, just your conscience. (laughs) Do you trust the one you love? Think about that. Trust is deep. Trust is earned. Trust is not a guess in the dark. My wife and I have been married for 32 years. Absolute trust just one violation and that absolute would disappear in a half a second it's absolute trust though she is not worried i'm not worried but if i ever gave her a reason to worry it'd be the end of a perfect day and we've decided the only reason to worry would be actually crossing the line trust you know what trust is i just want to go over quickly three stories First one is found in 2 Kings when the the Aramaeans came and surrounded the city of Samaria. The king of Israel was there. And thousands of the population of the city. It was a gated, walled city. The Aramaeans came and surrounded the place. The Aramaeans today are called the Syrians. And they laid siege to the city. What, what, What is siege? Someone help me. They just sit around you with all their weapons. They eat sandwiches and watch you inside the city. If anybody tried to escape the city, what happens? They kill you. So you can't get out. Meanwhile, you run out of food. Instead of feeding your animals, you eat them. And in horrible cases throughout history, people start dying, you eat them. They call it famine, an induced famine, because an army would lay siege to the city. When Titus laid siege to Jerusalem... In 70 AD, he sat out there for almost a year. Jerusalem ran out of food. They began eating each other. And as people tried to escape, the Romans crucified them. Finally, there were hundreds of crucified people. The stench of death, they just left them there. Siege was a terrible thing. Once you were under siege, you knew you were going to die. Now we're here in Washington, D.C., the White House is under siege as Congress. Da, 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 da. Or so and so Congressperson is under siege because he sent some picture of himself he shouldn't have sent to somebody who was too young to be even his daughter. Now you never you never heard of those stories here in DC. Now that Congressman's under siege, you know what that means now when you hear a siege. Siege means you ain't gonna make it. Siege means that death is inevitable. You may buy yourself a few weeks, a few months. But siege means you're gonna die. Any questions? There will be a quiz on Monday. So the Aramaeans laid siege to Samaria. What's going to happen? They're going to die. As famine broke out, as they ran out of food, the soldiers were fattening up out there. They were eating. And the people from the walls could see them. There was nothing they can do. Since it's up on top of a hill, you could not escape. You would be captured and killed and made an example of before your people. It was a horrible method, but it always worked. When you finally decided as a general to invade the city, these skinny, weak, fragile people, who had, half of them had lost half their vision, could not defend yourself, themselves. And within 20 minutes, you can wipe out the whole town and just clean up. Their bodies are lighter and everything. War is a terrible thing. As they lay in siege, I like this story. The man of God was there too. Elisha. Prophet number two under Elijah. Remember Elijah went to heaven? Mm. Are you going? I ain't going to ride no cherry. I'm going to ride a cloud. Ooh. Of course, he's lucky. His was probably a low rider. Vroom. Vroom. You don't know what that is. That's all right. It's all right. You're going to go Google it now. Low rider. What is that? Not low writer as in an author who writes. Low rider as in a car you ride in. Anyway, that's a Chicano thing from L.A. It's all right. It's all right. Not everyone knows truth. Ah, ha, ha. I'm just kidding. I'm just too happy. You see the power of this siege that you must never forget. The man of God was there. He went and told the king by tomorrow. And I'm going to read it to you really fast in Second Kings seven. Verse 1, Elisha told the king, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says, about this time tomorrow, a basket of the finest flour will sell for a shekel and two baskets of barley for a shekel at the gates of Samaria. He told this to the king as folks are starting to die in the city of Samaria under siege. So the officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, look, look, Even if the Lord opened the floodgates of heaven, how could this happen? It's impossible. Have you ever faced an impossible situation? Don't you ever forget when God is there. Nothing is impossible for God. Are you hearing this, church? Nothing. Well, you weren't there when we went through our stuff. Nothing is impossible. It may not always go your way. But nothing's impossible. When God decides, it's over. He's telling the king through the man of God. The prophet says, by this time tomorrow, a basket of flour for a shekel, two baskets of barley for a shekel. By this time, and how can this be? Even if God opens the windows of heaven. Well, there's a few lepers, four men with leprosy outside the entrance of the city. And they're reasoning among themselves. This is verses 3 and onward. They're reasoning among themselves, okay, we have leprosy. They won't let us in the city. They're dying. We're dying. Okay. If we try to go to the city, they'll kill us. If we sit out here looking at this army, we're going to die anyway. So why don't we surrender to the Syrian army? If they kill us, oh, well, we're going to die anyway. But if they choose to let us live, there's food down there. The reasoning of four sick men with a terminal disease may as well go. See how people of courage think? It's different than the cowards inside the city. I don't know, man. Even if the Lord opens the windows of heaven, it's impossible. So the lepers go down to surrender. And it's powerful, the way the Bible says, and there was no one there in the camp of the Syrians. Hello? Hello? We want to surrender. Don't shoot. Anybody here? I don't even hear a television. You know, at least CNN. Something should be on. And they went from tent to tent, the word of God says. And they found no one. For God had caused the sound of thousands of chariots and horses. and the Syrians said, "Behold, the king of Samaria has made a deal with Egypt and others, and they're coming to protect them. And they fled before Samaria. But no one noticed. they ran for their lives from an empty field they thought was filled with enemy troops. God messed with their minds. Mm-hmm. Remember, when the Lord's now with you, confusion's all you got. And these confused soldiers of Syria ran away. They left their horses. They left their donkeys. They left their sheep. You know, they brought their food with them. They left everything. So the lepers went from tent to tent. (laughs) First things first. They ate. Oh, dude. Jewels. Gold. And it says they cleaned out a tent first. And they went and hid the stuff. Then they came back to clean out another tent. Wait, 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 wait. Our hometown is dying, and we're out here enjoying the food and all these riches. I think we better go tell them that the camp of the Syrians is empty. Was it impossible to get out of the city? Yes. But the man of God said, By tomorrow at this time, you'll be selling flour for a shekel. There'll be so much food that not only will you not be starving, We'll have stores full of food for everyone to purchase. That was impossible. But God did it. You see, that's the guy we serve. Now, there's another story. And, and uh, really quickly, really quickly, because I know, I know. It's uh, storm time and you're trying to get over to Safeway and get in line. In the book of John, chapter 6. Jesus had been preaching his head off. Now, remember, Jesus could preach. One sermon he preached for eight hours. And no one thought it was overtime. Now, that's serious. Around here, you preach a half hour. Once you're into 35, "Ah, this is too long. I've got appointments. I've got guests waiting at the house. I'll never forget it. I'm known for my overtime. I'm not bragging because it's very embarrassing when you go overtime. One day I was preaching in Florida Holy Ghost must have come down because nobody had a watch. There were no clocks on the walls. By the time it was over, I had preached two hours and 40 minutes. It was extremely embarrassing. I immediately issued an apology almost tearfully to the audience. And then a kid got out. I moved that he preach again. And they made me get up again. And I preached for almost three hours. It was bizarre. Almost five hours. That's my record. Don't worry. I'm not going (laughs) to attempt to match the record tonight. I just get those of you who... John chapter 6, Jesus had been preaching. There were 5,000 men. When you include their wives, kids, grandma who came along, you had about 20,000 people there. Jesus had been healing folks all day long, casting out demons, and he preached his head off. And when he preached, you just could not believe what you were hearing soldiers were sent to arrest him. I cannot arrest this man. Never spake any man like this. Now, when you had a preacher who preaches so good that the cops cannot carry out their orders, that's a powerful sermon. Because I know if cops were sent in here to arrest me, excuse me, are you Rojas? I would be cuffed in front of you. But I'm in the middle of a sermon. Yeah, right, and my grandma is Santa Claus, right? They wouldn't care. But when Jesus was to be taken under arrest, They could not help themselves. No one can speak like Jesus spoke. He preached his head off. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Finally, he says, these folks got to eat. That's what we're facing with this storm. As the electricity goes out, if things go as badly as predicted. Okay, so you run out of peanut butter. What are you going to do with all this jelly? And three slices of bread at the house. And all the children, I'm hungry. And you just ran out of milk and the refrigerator hasn't worked for the last five days. You opened it too much and the turkey slice is spoiled. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Unless they're a veggie turkey, they hold out much longer. (laughs) Just scrape that foamy little mold that grows on it. It's it's all antibiotic anyway. It's penicillin. It's actually good for you. Don't give it to the fish, though. It's too strong. (laughs) Anyway, Jesus says... We've got to make sure these people eat. Have you ever faced a disaster? I've been in a major earthquake in L.A. where everything was destroyed within a 20-mile radius. Every grocery store, everything was destroyed. We wanted to buy food. We had no food. It was in February. It was cold. All windows were shattered in the entire neighborhood, so everybody's houses had breeze blowing through them. And, and I, I'll never forget this. Where do we eat? You suddenly have 1.3 million people with nothing to eat. The mayor did not know what to do. That is truly a humanitarian disaster. That's what happened in in, in Haiti when that earthquake came through. You lose 300,000 souls in nine seconds of an earthquake. 300,000 souls buried in rubble. You have 2.3 million people with snapped limbs, arms, legs, ribs, children with snapped arms and nobody to tend to them finally took, dug grandpa out of the rubble and his legs are both snapped in half. What do you do with such patients? And, and folks are in pain. Folks are, uh, uh, infections are breaking out and you got this many millions who have nothing to eat. That's an emergency. What do you do in a moment like that? Jesus suddenly faced a similar situation. These folks had come from many miles away through the desert to get there. And now it's the end of the day. How are they going to eat? There's no way he could send them back. There will be people dying on the way. The elderly, the the youngest. You can't carry someone that many miles if you haven't eaten all day long. It's a serious situation. So Jesus asked the, the disciple Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? And I like what it says. He knew what he was going to do. He was just testing him. Don't ever forget this. No matter how bad it is, Jesus always knows what he's going to do. You may not know what he's going to do. I may not know what he's going to do, but God always knows what he's going to do. We may not know, but that's all right. So Jesus says, well, we're going to get money. And, 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 and then Philip answered in real good church answer. Tell me if this is how your community of faith says it. It would take more than a half year's wages. You know, a half year's wages. That's what? for everybody to have one chicken McNugget. A half a year's wages. Is that a meal? No. So what was he he telling Jesus? It's impossible. Can't do this. Do something then. What do we do? There's just this kid with a lunch pail over here. His mama. Got him five tortillas. <coughs> they call it a loaf of bread, but let's, others call it pita bread. Admit it, it's just a tortilla. <laughs> Amen. You know you feel inspired now. Just, you're fighting tears. Taco Bell was happening back then. Back then. Five tortillas and two little bluegill, enough for a child. With a crunchy tail that he could dip into the tartar sauce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For those of you who have the burden, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you who do not have the burden. uh, Okay, veggie fish mm, with tartar sauce. Breaded and toasted, whatever it is. What's two little bluegill and five tortillas to all of this? It's impossible. So what does Jesus do? He blesses the food. He blessed the food. Do you ever pray and thank God for the food? Why? Cause we're supposed to. Is that it? It's the only way to legally consume your meal. Have you ever been at the table? Oops, I forgot to pray. Why don't you pray? How come you ask me to pray? How come she never has to pray? Okay, me how you pray? I don't want to pray because I prayed yesterday. And this big fight breaks out at the table because nobody wants to pray. In other words, we can't eat until we fulfill our legal obligation to pray. Is that what God blessing the food is? I learned that from my daughter Veronica when she was little. She's almost 25 now, but... Just a short time ago, right? Just a short time ago, they were little children. Just short time ago. We were going through our fellowship with the IRS. And when you fellowship with those people, it is never good. Because they have their way. All they want is their money. And they got a cousin named Vinny, make it look like an accident <laughs> on 95 somewhere. And if you don't have the money, they grab your stuff, man, the, the the 1971 Toyota suddenly seized all $38 value. Anyway, it was a bad year for us, and fellowship was not going well. And I still remember how rough it was. And we were able to buy four boxes of food at a food bank. Not at Safeway. Cash flow just wasn't there. So we're walking in with the boxes of food and, and Veronica is like seven or eight and Angie and Gabriel's the one in diapers and Maria was still a prayer of what would come to be someday. And, 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 and you know, the beauty of it is is that as the boxes came into the house, Veronica and Kiki says, wait, 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 we have to pray. how we haven't cooked the food. No, 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 we have to pray. And we all had to, and she went like this. Well, of course, we had to reach down. and Well, we haven't done that in a long time. Now we reach up to our kids. Gabriel, hey, me. Anyway, so Veronica prays, Lord, thank you for the food that's come into our house. Bless the food. Was she offering a legal thing so we can eat she was praising God that food came into the house to begin with. That food actually entered the Rojas home. Jesus blessed the food. And he grabbed the fish. Not much with two little bluegills like this you can catch off the shore with a little ball of bread on a tiny hook. You just bring them right out. Two of those. Factly, I don't think he had to break them. He just kept grabbing the fish. Aren't you guys going to help me get some baskets? What? You heard the master. This doesn't make any sense. Grab baskets. You know the master. He's a rabbi. You can't mess with it. And the, the Lord just, uh, everybody help. They grab tortillas and throw them in. And there was still five. They grab five. They, there's still five tortillas. At least that would happen at Safeway. Just grab a pack and it's another pack and it's one price. Wouldn't that be nice? Mm-mm-mm. And they're on sale. And so he filled up baskets. They had them in groups of 50 and 100. And the disciples are carrying, they're hurting themselves. Grab all you want. Please grab all you want. Don't make us go back down the hill with this stuff. And folks are just, I'm extra hungry. You know how your eyes are too big? Just go for it. And they ate. They ate till they got full. Then the master says, pick up the scraps. We need everything. Now they go back. okay. Wherever you didn't eat, feel free to throw it in. And all of a sudden they had how many baskets left over? Twelve baskets. There was food to take home. Take some back to the family. What was it like to taste Jesus' food? What kind of a chef is he? Mm-mm. There are a couple times in scripture where you see him serving food to people. I can't wait to eat that meal when we get there. What about you? You know it's going to be a huge meal. It has to be enchiladas. I heard it's perfect. Tacos, enchiladas, chile rellenos. The jalapenos will be this big, brothers and sisters. We're talking about serious perfection. We will all have mustaches. Ladies, prepare. Because <laughs> I heard it's a perfect place. I only imagine perfection if we all have facial hair forever and ever. Amen. You know you're happy now. You know you look forward to getting there. See, the beauty of heaven is it's going to be greater than what you imagine. So now you're going to paint a better picture than me, right? Isn't that awesome? It's going to be better than that. Is that all you can see? Food? Is that it? Facial hair? Oh, no. And then you're going to give your picture what it's going to be. See, eye has not seen, neither has ear heard, nor has it entered the imagination of people. What well, God has planned for us. Ooh. It was impossible. But Jesus took care of it, right? There was food for everybody. Finally. The next chapter in in Matthew. They're out there on the lake. Just for those of you who are writing meticulous notes in Matthew chapter 14. Verses 22 and onward. Jesus is walking during stormy seas. The guys, all 12 of them are sitting in a boat that only seats six people plus nets and supplies. Okay, so that's 12 huge men in a little wooden boat. And the water's coming in. So we got us a situation. This boat is going to sink, and these men cannot swim the 12 miles back to shore. And in stormy waters, the wind wears you out. You only may go 100 yards at best. You will die. Even the professional fishermen on board knew this fact. We're not going to make it. This has become impossible. Then to finish things off, somebody's walking toward them on the water and they believed it to be a phantom. Perfect for Halloween. Here comes death itself. You know, I have nothing you know, to, to criticize about Halloween. It's just a bizarre thing to me. <laughs> We celebrate death. Well, you know, it's all right. I just kind of grieve when I think about it. But I guess an eyeball dangling out of your socket is awesome. I don't see it, but I respect those who do, and they seem to be having fun with it. (laughs) It's an interesting, very difficult holiday to explain when I travel to other countries. You guys celebrate the devil. I see a guy with horns. Everybody's happy for him. And they actually clapped and he won the award for the best costume. I go, yeah, he did. It was awesome. That was weird. Yeah, it's very weird, too. It's just Americana, man. <laughs> for real. I don't get it, but it happens. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying the Lord disapproves of it. It's just a funny tradition. Anyway, don't listen to me. I'm just a preacher who's tired. I crossed the country twice this week. So the, 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 the storm is on them. And now they're screaming, here comes death to take us away. I mean, when you actually think that you're about to die, that's one thing. But when you can see death coming, that's what it looks like when they come take you away. You know, these guys are freaking out. And the Bible says they're screaming. Men do not know how to scream and cry. So it was pitiful. So these guys are making a fuss. Every fish was frightened within a one-mile radius. Fish scramble. I don't know what that is up there, but I'm getting out of here. I'm sure the fish thought they were phantoms. And so finally, who speaks first? Peter. Master. Because John had said, it's the master. It's the master. Command that I come out to the water with you. And Jesus says, come. He tells Peter, come. Okay. Is it possible to walk on water? No, it's impossible. Is it possible to walk on water during a storm? Impossible with 20 lines underlining it with 10 exclamation marks. It's In fact, if someone is, uh, insists on that today, we do have appropriate hospitals for them and medication <laughs> to calm them down. If you insist that walking on water in a storm is possible, you do have issues. Usually it's a movement of serotonin into the temporal lobes, which inhibits dopamine production. But that's another sermon. (laughs) Anyway, so the long story of this is, Peter starts walking on the water. That must have been the most... I mean, Moses walked through the water. It opened up for him. He walked on dry land. This is the first time and the last time we've seen somebody walking on water. That means when Jesus says come, you can do whatever he calls you to do. It's no impossibility with God. If Jesus says come, you go. Peter, come. (laughs) Excuse me, guys. Ahorita vengo. And he's walking on the water. But halfway there, something happened. It says that Peter stopped. And he looked at the waves. That swell is 15 feet. Wee, we, 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 we. This is a storm. I'm walking on water. This is impossible. And the boat's over there. And Jesus is over there. And I'm here. Where's Peter? He was there a second ago. He became... He became afraid because it's impossible. Even in the midst of your blessing, this is impossible. Don't lack faith in the midst of the blessing. Don't tell God it's impossible while it's happening. My mother developed cancer. It was bad. Doctor should have detected it two years earlier. It was clear to see and he didn't tell her because he didn't notice Mama had a malpractice thing appropriate for the situation. She went into surgery. They removed a very large cancerous tumor. Then she went in for her radiation. And uh, the radiation was such a blast of intense burning that she had third-degree burns all the way to the center with massive infection, pus, an unspeakable pain. And I took her to one of her treatments. And the doctor says, Mrs. Rojas, we're going to have to stop the treatments and treat you for massive infection. We might take you out just by the infection. And then we'll go back to treating your cancer. And my mama said, No. You will toast these cancer cells to kingdom come. They should have never come. I'm going to die, but not of this. My mama got angry at the doctor. Don't you dare ever, a young man, suggest again that we stop treating me. Now, I know every case is different. But in my mama's case, she says, not of this. Mom, it's impossible. Mijo, that son. And you're a preacher? Oh, yeah. Don't you ever tell your mama that again. I prayed about this. (laughs) Now let's get on with it, doctor. And they toasted my mama. (laughs) Mm -mm -mm. How many years now, babe? Six, Six, seven years later, my mama is cancer free. Now I know that's not everyone's testimony, but I'm telling you right now, God can do impossible things. My brothers and my sisters, do you hope? Do you have hope? Then do you have trust? What does it mean to trust? You can believe that you serve the God of the impossible. Now, as we conclude, I want to remind you, we have a category one hurricane coming to us. That is no big deal. That just mess up your hair and soak your clothes and you have to go change. That's no big deal. The problem is it's going to crash with 58 below zero Arctic air right over our heads. It's going to crash with Northern Atlantic cold air. Three systems are going to come together. Now, the last time we saw this in the last two blizzards, it was giant moisture coming from the Gulf of Mexico they crashed with the same two systems, and we had blizzards here of three feet of snow. Remember, and thirty-five below zero. That's because it was in the winter. That, this is not moisture from the Gulf. This is a hurricane, ten times the moisture we had during those blizzards. So we're talking about something that has never happened in the recorded history of weather measurements on the East Coast in the Mid Atlantic states, the United States. Do I have your attention? But we serve. A God of the impossible. We serve a God who can chase away the soldiers and lay siege to our city. We serve a God who can feed thousands of people with a little kid's lunch pail. We serve a God who can have us walk on water, not just have, us me- have it mess up our hair. So what you worried about? Do you trust him? All right, so we're going to be responsible people. We're going to get that extra peanut butter and jelly. Because if we don't have electricity for two weeks, we need to eat. But are you going to go freak out and say, whoa, it's me, I'm going to die? No. We serve a risen Savior. He is with us. He has called us. He has plans for our lives. So we're going to be responsible citizens. We're going to help our neighbors who don't think it's any big deal. We're going to have extra for them. And the Lord will spare us. If it gets really bad, that means that one tree in the backyard fell. And that means I need a whole new telephone pole. It means two weeks. Of, well, what are we going to eat? I don't know. And the dog will say, don't look at me that way. <laughs> okay. But I'm telling you right now, we serve a risen Savior. Does that make sense, church? Yes. Do you trust him? Yes. It's impossible that we come out unscathed in this situation. We may have two feet of snow in Hagerstown. Did you hear me? Two feet of snow. We may have 12 inches of rain or more right here, right here in this county. Did you hear me? But we serve a risen Savior. Are you afraid? Well, have to admit, it's kind of weird and it is disconcerting to be absolutely human. But I trust God and he is with us. The Lord will go before us. Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship, a ministry of WGTS 91.9. We'd love for you to visit us sometime. Services happen each Saturday evening at 6. You can learn more about us and get more podcasts at mygatewayfellowship.com.